The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hey everybody, how you doing? Welcome back to another episode. I uh, got some updates for you. My Concord, California class just outside of San Francisco went uh, really well. Uh, the the travel part, not so much. Um, my first flight was canceled, and then my next flight, my, my bag didn't make the connection, so um, no t-shirts to sell for the people that had reserved them, no materials for my scarification appointment, which was supposed to be the day after my seminar, but couldn't end up doing that because I didn't have my bag, so that was kind of a bummer. But uh, the class went really well. Thankfully, I carried on all the materials I needed. I brought my projector and laptop cables, all that stuff. I wasn't really going to let it out of my eyesight. So really glad I had that. Really glad that the class got to go well, even if some parts of the trip didn't. Um, huge thank you to uh, Darren and Blue Star for hosting. And massive thank you to uh, Becky and Pablo for all the help and all the support. You know, letting me crash at your place, giving me a ride, hanging out with me. We got some good dinners, you know, uh, had some good times, good conversations. Really want to get some uh, podcast interviews done with the two of them, especially Pablo. Uh, really awesome story, you know, uh, working his way up from Argentina and uh, putting in a, a lot of effort to, to get where he is. So, you know, two really impressive people, and uh, I, I'm going to get some, some more content with them in the future. My uh, microphone for my podcast was in my check bag, so I, I did not have that when I wanted it. And uh, rather than doing kind of a second grade uh, interview with off of my laptop, I, I figured I'd wait and maybe get an interview with them at conference or maybe something over Skype. So my interview this week is with my friend Baron, who was uh, really instrumental in the success of my Chicago class. Um, suggested I, I come out and do a class, hook me up with Chucks for the venue, uh, give me a ride, let me pierce his navel for the other attendees watching. And uh, it was really cool. So I really wanted to get a, a good interview with him. And we talk about um, him being on the APP membership committee, uh, along with Monica and, and Jeff and everybody else putting in a lot of work there. We talk a lot about his passion for guest spotting, you know, getting out there to some top studios and learning their tips and tricks and, and bringing it home to his own studio. And, uh, we, you know, the, the bulk of the conversation is really just kind of talking about, you know, how do you communicate with a client when something goes wrong? You know, if you, you blow an angle or you, you botch a transfer or something like that, you know, how do you talk to the client honestly, you know, and, and say, you know, we're all human, you know, maybe this didn't go ideal, you know, am I going to take it out and repierce it or, or am I going to do something else for you? So we talk about all that stuff and uh, it's pretty good conversation. As far as my classes, you know, California went great, and uh, next week I've got my class in London. Uh, I've got a really awesome group of piercers booked up for that, so that should be another really fun one, plus also wrestling shows, so that's a, a big thumbs up. And then that's pretty much going to be my last private seminar for the summer. I'm going to take a few weeks off. Uh, I need to kind of put my energy into the APP conference and that summer rush. You know, I'm going to have a lot of clients, so I want to make sure that I can give them my, uh, my full attention. And then uh, in the fall, I'll get right back into it. You know, I've got my international conferences in uh, the UK and uh, Germany and Camp APP and, and all that stuff. So uh, I'm, as soon as I'm done with that, I'm going to start uh, getting right back into my private seminars again. I've got some classes lining up for Canada, uh, Toronto for sure, and probably going to end up working something out for maybe Edmonton or Vancouver. You know, some people in Western Canada are, are uh, inquiring about classes, so I want to try to get out there for them. 
And I've also got some stuff on the back burner for the L.A. area, Portland, Oregon area, and, um, you know, who knows beyond that. So, you know, if you're interested in classes, hit me up, send me an email, ryanpba at gmail.com. Um, you know, if I can get a solid group of piercers together, I'll go almost anywhere. You know, I've, I've been all around the world teaching classes and, uh, you know, I don't feel like stopping now. So uh, if you have a suggestion or if you have a, a studio and you'd like to host, you know, totally reach out. Uh, so for now, let's get into that interview with Baron, and I'll be back after that. Uh, hi, my name is Baron. I pierce at Boundless Tattoo Company in Plainfield, Illinois. Uh, you can find me um, pretty much any major platform like Facebook, Instagram, at Bear Body Piercing, Bear as in like the animal, and uh, you can find me on Snapchat at Bear Body Piercer. So, what is it that made you want to do the whole like Madonna thing with the one name? When I was like like in middle school, like uh, I played football because I grew up in Texas, so it was like uh, we started football really young, and that's they just started calling me Baron, and that's pretty much how it stuck. And it, I feel it's a lot easier for people to remember my my last name than my first name because mm-hmm. I have such a gener- generic first name. So well, it just makes you sound like very mysterious, right? It is, yeah. Um, well, I mean, if you come into the studio, all my my first name's on all my app uh, applications. So, yeah. but I'll change that one day. So. One day. <laughs> So, um, you know, we were talking before and you were just kind of reminding me of like all the, the extra stuff that you've kind of added onto your plate in the last year. So you're on the membership committee now, yeah. you're doing regular guest spots places. And so were those like conscious goals that you set for yourself or was it something that you just kind of like ended up in? Every year I try to set like a goal, like, um, after we opened the new studio in like 2015, I was like, I'm going to go to conference next year as a member. And I became a member that year. Well, this year I was like, um, you know, I wanted to teach a class. Well, uh, for a conference, and I had submitted a class, and it, it got picked. And then on top of that, I actually uh, was offered to join the membership committee, and my my um, probation for that actually was just lifted, and I was able to. Um, I'm now actually like a member of the committee, so that's pretty awesome as well. So it's like all these things, and then I just like I want to try to guest spot, come out, jump out of my comfort zone. You know, not because I am the only piercer at my studio. So, uh, and then I, I went out and did a guest spot, and then I've just been regularly going back to to um, Iris Piercing Studios in Denver on a regular basis uh, for over the past couple months. So it's been quite a you know journey this year, to say the least. Was Iris your first guest spot, or did you start somewhere? Else? I I did a small guest spot in Michigan, um, like a, a year or two ago for like two or three days, but then I just didn't think anything of it, and then. I finally just was like, I need to get out of like, I need to get out of my comfort zone because right. I'm I'm the only person in my studio. I don't have no one to talk to mm-hmm. unless someone stops by that I know. That finally did that, and then I, you know, it w- became a lot easier, and um, definitely elevated my, you know, my abilities as in skill set as a piercer. Yeah. What What did you find challenging about it, or or like? Was any of it intimidating? Because when I when I go to other studios, most of the time it's just to like say hi, hello kind of thing. I haven't worked in many other studios, and when I when I have, I found it crazy intimidating, like being in someone else's workspace. Um, it is. It was intimidating at first because I don't know how they do things. Like I know the basics, you know, like of what you should do as for a piercing, but like how do they do it? Like yeah. what do they do? And it was like my first like real experience, like in enough someone else's studio, like. What you know? What should it shouldn't like shouldn't should not do? You know, kind yeah. of thing. And um, it that's kind of like what was overwhelming. Like, but then after like I did a couple like nostrils and and you know some helix piercings, it was just like oh down. You know, everything kind of just fell into place. Now they have different like 
everything's in different drawers outside of what I put in mine. And, you know, they're a disposable studio. I'm not, even though I basically only use hemostats at this point. But, yeah, so it was definitely, like, some things they had, some things they some things that they had that I didn't. And, yeah, it was that was in Timmy's, like, oh, okay, what do I use? Well, I got to really, like, use my brain as far as, like, this is how I normally do it, but I don't have that, so I have mm-hmm. to do it this way. And still was able to, you know, execute, a, you know, a great piercing while piercing there, you know. So. Yeah, I, I've thought about, like, what if I were to go to a place like Gamma or something? Like, could I actually pierce 100% disposable, you know? Like, in, in my mind, it's like, oh, yeah, I do almost everything freehand and I don't really use tools. But then, uh, you know, we're still processing tools at my shop. You know, we're still using a lot of pin tapers. We're still using a lot of hemostats. So... I don't know how I would do in an environment where those weren't available to me. Or if they were available, maybe it was like kind of frowned upon or like, you know, maybe a little bit more minimalist, like maybe try these other weird things. And I I, I don't know. I feel weird doing it. I actually just talked to Jeff yesterday about this because um, I'll be going out there for a couple of days. Yeah, he has everything you need. Yeah, it's just easy to, you know, if you need it. Throw so it like, out, yeah. yeah. So that your fear would like not be there. You'd be ready to go. It's just, yeah. you know. He was like the leader in like disposable, like taught the class and everything. That's more I'm like, oh okay. But then after I talked to him, I was like, oh, all right, yeah, for sh- yeah, for sure. It's gonna it's not gonna be as you know as bad as I thought. You know, as intimidating as I thought it would be mm-hmm. going into it. But well, you're braver a- than I am, I think. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. So, uh, do you also kind of look at it as like you're traveling around, kind of collecting the best ideas and secrets, and then you bring them back and roll them into your own studio? Kind of, yeah. I've definitely implemented some things since being at Iris uh, that are a little bit different uh, or similar to theirs. Um, I wouldn't say, like, I'm gaining knowledge more than, like, keeping secrets Mm -hmm. at that point. You know, um, definitely you should learn where you go, you know, go somewhere. Like, never be like, oh, I do it this way and this is the way I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. Like, listen to what they have to say. They might have something. You're like, oh, that makes complete sense, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, there have been times where... I get a piece of information and then I I stick with that information and then I put my like Ryan tweak on it, you know, and think of like, well, how can I evolve this base idea? But then sometimes I realize that that base idea was just a bad idea. And then I, I go to another studio and I see them do something and it like, it, it's like, how did that never occur to me? It's so simple and, and so efficient. And then I just steal it and I bring it home and then that's what we do in my studio from then on. Right, yeah. That's. I mean, uh, was it the other when we were talking right before class about the seam ring? Mm-hmm. When you, you told me uh, like Ben, I was like, oh, that makes complete sense. I don't know why I ever thought I was like that's why I was getting those inconsistencies and bending them back. Exact yeah. same thing for me. Like when Brian said it, he said it in such a simplistic way. Like holding his hands out, he's like, if you bend this side down, you bend that same side back up. You know, if you bend the other side down, you get this weird. But and I was like, how did that never occur to me? Because I had that same thing where I'd, I'd bend the ring closed and be like, why is it kind of warped looking? Like, yeah. you know, like, what did I do wrong? And yeah, it never occurred to me. Right. When I'm doing it in my hands, like, I can obviously bend everything back and not warp it. Mm-hmm. But like, obviously, in someone's anatomy, like, that's the last thing on my mind. Like, okay, yeah. just make sure to put it, bend it back the mm-hmm. way it was. I didn't start S-bending rings or like, um, or even using seam rings or niobium until I was a piercer on my own. Like... Like no one else there with me, my mentor never, never, never had mentioned anything like that to mm-hmm. me. Um, I was always using ring openers and closers, which isn't a bad thing. But I was like, oh, you can do this without using that. And after that, I didn't realize, like, I didn't take it con- warping into consideration until I was like 
getting real weird inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. And then, then obviously today, well, a couple of days ago, I now can take care of that. So Yeah, so that's just a, <laughs> yeah. a, another skellyism kind of yeah. thing. And I don't know if he just like sits up at night and just like breaks everything down to like, these are problems. I'm going to figure out exactly why this is a problem and I'm going to eliminate this problem. But it seems like he's got pretty much everything worked out. Yeah. So uh, this is your first year teaching a class? Yes. I, I'm teaching a... Signing within the studio, how to connect with the deaf and hard of hearing community. I'm co-instructing, and uh, the majority of it will be my co-instructor, Sadie Dudley. She'll be pretty much, she's the one that's like head of the class as far as like like resources and what she's doing. She's a certified language instructor, or ASL sign language instructor. So it'll be interesting. She's taught multiple classes. This will be like first time I'm really like in a like a giant group, thing, especially in front of like my peers, like a lot of my peers friends are going to be there. So it's like, oh, okay, cool. So I'm going to be like on the spot, you know, still teaching. Like there's going to be a couple slides that I'll be taking over and talking about, but I'm more of like her segue into the Pearson community um, as far as like, you know, what we should use, like terms and like words and like, mm-hmm. you know, sit up, lay down, yeah. deep breath in, deep breath out, don't touch your piercing, you know, similar, you know, stuff like that, saline. Well, don't get too nervous with it because I, I think a lot of first time instructors, they, they look at the example set by other instructors and think like, oh, okay, I need to be totally smooth. You know, somebody like Jeff that, that teaches every year, several classes, has been doing it for years and years and years, does Fakir, all that stuff like it takes a while to get to that point. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes when I sit in someone else's class, it's like, oh man, it, I must sound like an idiot, like teaching my classes, like stumbling over my words and everything because like this person is like smooth like silk, you know? Yeah. Um, but l- try to look at the strengths of it of you're qualified to teach the class. You know, like mm-hmm. you know the subject matter and like you know the people and you have a really good rapport with them. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as a first time instructor, just try to think about that. Like you're there for a reason right. and people see you as like, you know, an authority on, on this. So, you know, don't get too yeah. nervous with it. I, uh, <clears throat> similar, I reached out to James Lombardi cause like you, you've heard him talk. He's just got it. He's got it down. Right. And, uh, I told him, I was like, Hey, like, do you have any like recommendations, anything I could read to help me out? Or like, he's like, he's like, you're passionate about it. He's like, use that. Mm-hmm. He's like, if you're passionate about it, you're not going to have, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be perfectly okay. Just just kind of remember that and as you go into it, you mm-hmm. know, it's going to pretty much everything's just going to kind of flow out. You're not going to be going, um, um, you know, like nervous walking around and stuff. Plus, uh, I, I think we requested for um, lavalier mics, I think they're called, yep. little lapel mics. Mm-hmm. So so your hands I, will be free. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. Essentially, I was like, yeah, we kind of need these because we're going to do like live stream with signs. So we need to have our hands free to do a lot of the stuff. Yeah. So. I'll be able to like kind of walk around and stuff as well to you know talk about everything that we're going through. That's great. So. Yeah, uh, the the AV committee has been putting a little bit more effort into like technology, you know. Mm-hmm. So rather than just like having to stand at a podium with a microphone, you know, you can get those clip-on mics and all. It just makes a, a huge difference to make the class more dynamic because you can mm-hmm. walk around. You can like I talk with my hands a lot, you know. So yeah. when I'm doing like the workshops and stuff, I want to be able to talk about gloves and pick stuff up and show it, and I don't want to have to hold a microphone or be like tethered to a cord or anything. I know the last couple classes, uh, especially working clean within your studio, you know, it's a smaller class too, so your projection isn't as you're as needed as like a mm. like one of like the silver room or so. We're in like the big main hall one. Oh. That's where our class. I was like, oh okay, yeah. Oh, I, yeah, we're going to definitely need a mic. Yeah, the you know? intimidating room. <laughs> just, yeah, the ceilings are just super tall. Yeah. So. That'll be cool, though. So, um, you know, I, I feel like 
the deaf community is probably overlooked a little bit. You know, when, when it comes to piercing, I, I think a lot of people um, would, would encounter situations where they need Spanish skills uh, most frequently. And mm-hmm. then, but that kind of underserves if you have a deaf client come in, you know. Right. Well, that could be said with anyone that speaks a, a separate language, but I know like Spanish, like nine times out of ten, well, I mean, I'm in a heavy Spanish community to begin with, so I do know enough to like talk to a client and nine times out of ten, they'll have someone with them. Mm-hmm. But like if someone like speaks Polish or something around like an Eastern European language, like they'll probably have someone with them. Somewhere. But deaf community, like I've, I've encountered plenty of clients and luckily... Um, I know a, a small amount, but like one of our artists actually grew up in a deaf household. So he like, I just, I just have him help me out. And, you know, it, it definitely changes the, the, the dynamic of the whole room. Cause then they're not as like awkward coming in using, relying on their phone and technology to, to talk to me mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and then like making eye contact, looking directly at them as opposed to like looking down on the paper to write, you know, it makes everything way easier. Yeah. To, um, but it was definitely a rough first time when I used uh, the artist that works with me, Andy, um, because like I had to like speak to her, stop, let him sign, and on top of it, I was using words that he never grew up with. Okay. So he's like finger spelling a lot, um, and then like kind of just like for saline, he said special water, mm-hmm. and because he's like I don't know how to like salt water, he could sign or something like that, but that wouldn't get like the quite the point across. So is there a sign for saline? Um, I think we came up with one we could we could spell finger spell it. Okay. Um, because it says saline on the bottle, so it's easier to relate to. But also, uh, salt water you can you can sign for that, and mm-hmm. you just sign salt and then water mm-hmm. one after the other, and it you that kind of just falls in place and or it's implied more than other. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I, there's a there's quite a few words like obviously nose, you know, ear stuff like that. Industrial actually has some. We were talking about this the other. It has its own science. Literally the. Literally the sign, like you would point to your, you put your finger out, hold it across your ear, and yeah, that's an industrial. That's what that in, in the definition. So where does that, where did that come from? Did that come from the like the the need for a, a name for a piercing, or is that related to something else? So I don't see. That's it. I don't know. I'm um, a lot of these things because uh, my instructor lives uh, in Milwaukee, so we only see each other maybe once every couple months, and uh, we do video. But there, um, there are signs where like it's just ex- explanatory. Like a, a bull uh, is like literally you grab, you put your two hands up to your head and like pull your hands out, okay. and it's a bull. And then there's yeah. some other ones that are uh, like, I, I think it's something like insurance. Is you literally like like wave your hand in the air, like shake it with a fist, and that's hmm. insurance. Like you wave it around like you just don't care. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know exactly. Like I don't think there's a governing organization that denotes like. Mm-hmm. This sign is for this sign because um, I know she was talking to me about like how like different areas have different signs mm-hmm. like um, like your like colors. regional dialect yeah almost. regional di- yeah exactly okay. like white when when someone says white they pull from their chest with their hand and then or some depends on where you're talking they might point to their teeth mm-hmm. that's white like the color not in New Hampshire yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know yellow or brown maybe <laughs> right so um, it definitely changes um, uh, she's traveled around into different communities so yeah she knows more about the the variations there are mm-hmm. with it so that's cool that's interesting so did, did your interest in that come from like having a larger deaf community in the area that you were working or was that from your I, experience growing up or i just 
you can speak a different language. Like if it's crowded, you can sign and have a full conversation. That's I just think that's so cool. Yeah. You know, that's and then I just I always like sign language. I don't know why, uh, but I also like just any language like other than you know English to speak because I just think it's a cool skill set to have. It's a totally cool. Like I get really jealous when I see like people like Sala or you know Rata or, or you know somebody that can just like. Have a conversation with all these different people from all these different areas. There's no language barrier because I, you know, I've I've traveled a, a fair amount yeah. of places in the world, and there's definitely that language barrier where I'm just kind of sitting there and just smiling politely, being like, I have no idea what this conversation is about. Right, and I think it's crazy in the world that English is a universal business language and mm-hmm. it kind of made us relaxed so we don't have to learn a different language. Well, that's that's so. a huge deal. Whenever I go to other countries, it nobody's ever been rude to me before. Like I mm-hmm. know you hear the stories about like, you know, people in Quebec like hate you if you speak English or whatever. Right. I've never I've never been treated rudely anywhere, but there have been people where I can tell that they're a little bit frustrated that I have no language skills at all. You right. know, like uh, Sala constantly is getting on me. He's like, you should learn some Spanish. You should learn some Spanish. And it's like, yes, I understand that I should, but I just don't have the mind for languages. I've, I've tried and failed. Yeah, um, definitely something I would try to do. I wanted to take an ASL course this this year, at least at, at the local community college, to see what it was like. But I, I work like almost seven days a week. So mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no time. Don't I have be family. a baby. Get out I, there. I know. And I have a family. So <laughs> I have to take care of them too. So <laughs> yeah, people people sometimes uh, talk to me, you know, because I, I bounce around a lot. I travel a lot. Mm-hmm. And people are like, man, how do you do that? You get to travel. And it's like, I don't have kids. Uh, that That is exactly how I get to do that. You know, so I can just go wherever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely a lot of planning and like for you know like foreshadowing where you're gonna be when I'm gonna be like when I'm coming back mm-hmm. like this is up and you know uh, my wife she works um, a job where ra- hours are random you know she doesn't work a nine to five like office job so mm-hmm. it's like her days are random off you know if I have any random days off like I it's all and then all falls into place so they kind of we we make it work though yeah so. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you get for not being a selfish introvert. I know, right? I, I had to... You know what? I uh, I was just thinking about this morning how like I, I like my own kids, but I don't like anyone else's kids. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really weird about it. So. Yeah, I, I think that's why... I make kind of like a conscious decision that it's like, I, I don't think children is for me, you know? Right. Like, I know people get that, that you know, they're always like, oh, you know, it'll change your life and it'll change your outlook on it. It's like, yeah, no, I'm good. When I was younger, yeah, I didn't, like, I would hold a baby at an arm's distance. But yeah. after I had my son, like, I just, you know, that, it wasn't as bad because he was mine, you mm-hmm. know? But I'm still weird about it. Someone hands me their baby. I'm like, I don't. I was like, no, I don't want, I don't want to hold your baby. Right, I'm good. Thanks. My cousin just had a baby like two or three weeks ago, and we were at a barbecue, and she's like, oh, do you want to hold the baby? And I was like, no, no, I don't. I really don't. It just looks like a like an eggshell of a human, yeah. like so delicate and fragile. Yeah, exactly. You got to hold its head so it doesn't like like bobble its head around. And it's, yeah, no. So, uh, world's worst segue. You also wanted to talk about mistakes in in body piercing. <laughs> so <laughs> mistakes. Like, oh wait, what? <laughs> so. Uh, we were having a conversation the other day about um, how a lot of piercers don't really have that skill set of if you maybe maybe not using the word botch, but if something doesn't come out ideal, you know, and it's the piercer's fault, uh, some piercers don't say that. They don't verbalize that. They don't own up to that. They just let the person walk out the door, and you know, maybe that ends up kind of being a, a business card for them walking around with like a not so great piercing, you know? So what's your, what's your outlook on if something doesn't go right in a piercing? There's like, 
you you there's you messed up the piercing then there's, there's like you messed up the piercing yeah. like you could look at it like is it going to heal in your mind like is that going to heal probably you know to, to the point where someone like you know i would like to think that our you know anyone local is like oh okay cool like we're not talking bad or ill about other other stews or piercers but there's some things where it's like yeah, you know that you know we're just gonna take this out, you know, or if it's something where it's like you should just go to the piercer that did that if they're local, just talk to them about it, kind yeah. of thing. Like you shouldn't, you sh- if you know it's bad, like if you know it's like oh this is really off, like doing a helix piercing, you're like I got this hundred percent, boom, it comes out really wonky. Just just pull every do it real quick. It's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. You know what the customer usually is really understanding, you know, and you can just. Oh, cool. Yeah, you know what? I don't like the way it looks. I'm just going to pull it real quick, you know, take a nice deep breath, pierce, and then, yeah, and you can fix it right then and there, or you could let it he- go through a weird healing process, or mm-hmm. possibly even just they kn- they can visibly see, depending on, like, the length of, you know, post you have in there, you know, they can visibly see it's crooked yeah, or off. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, it, I think showing humility is... That just keeps you kind of humble mm-hmm. at the end of the day. You know, you can go to, I mean, I can go to sleep better knowing that I did, you know, if I let someone walk out, I feel really bad. Like, well, so. And I haven't done that in a while. Luckily, I, I I haven't had a situation where, like, I've totally, totally just blown something. You know, like, yeah. it, sure, it happened earlier in my career, definitely. Yeah. You know, and there would be times where I'd be like, yeah, it doesn't look great. Take a look in the mirror. What do you think? You know, if you don't like it, I'm happy to, whatever, you know, but now it's. The thing that really eats me up is when something is not picture perfect, when it's that like 5% off kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, the the biggest stuff that sticks out in my mind is when triple forward helix piercings were like the, the, the hotness, you know? Yeah. And it'd be like bottom one perfect, middle one perfect, top one slightly off. And you would just look at it and be like, God damn it, I don't even want to take a picture of that. But the person looks at it in the mirror and they're like, I love it, it's great. So yeah. you're like, well, okay. And there's that to consider too, like... Um, I had someone come to my studio to do, um, uh, inverted nipples. They were like really inverted. I was like, ah, you know, I I don't, after said and done, literally it was straight above the mark. So it was literally like, just like kind of off center. Yeah, it was off center, but it wasn't like, it wasn't enough. Like I barely could see it. And Mm -hmm. then we would like explain that like, I was like, oh, you know, like just let you know, I'm legitimately, if everything's straight, it's just above the mark. Take a look. See what you think. If not, I will be gladly to redo this for you. Not a big deal. She loved them. Mm-hmm. So I was like, cool. Awesome. Great. And, you know, I've seen her. She's one of my more, she's one of my normal clients now um, after that. And I think, like, being honest about a piercing, like, almost bring, like, if you, like, mess up, like, that, that can sometimes bring you closer as a, as a client and piercer relationship. Because they know, like, oh, he's honest. Like, oh, yeah, he did this. And, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm always I'm all about, like, asking, like, if I don't like it. But I'm like, hey, this is kind of a little, take a look at it. See what you think. Mm-hmm. Um, the only things I don't ever, uh, I don't even let customers look at septums. I'm just like, let me take a look first. Mm-hmm. And then we'll go, if I like it, good, awesome. You yeah. can take a look. <laughs> my, my, my way of thinking on uh, septums has kind of evolved over time. Like, so... There, there was a point where I was doing septums consistently. They were coming out really good. And then, you know, I think every piercer in the world has had those bad patches mm-hmm. for septums where, you know, you're not getting awesome results consistently. So I would have this kind of, you know, point for a couple of weeks or maybe even a couple of months where I, I would be like, all right, take a look in the mirror. 
what do you think? Do you, are you happy with it? You know, and, and I'd be like, maybe stretch your face out a little bit, you know, kind mm-hmm. of stretch your lip out. And, you know, what do you think? Are you happy? And if they'd look at it and be like, well, yeah, it does look a little bit off. Then in situations like that, I'd be like, well, okay, so I, I'll give you a couple options. You can either take it out right now and I can re-pierce it right now. But with inflammation, you know, maybe that might also throw it off. It might not be perfect. Or you can sleep on it. You can come in tomorrow and I can take it out. You know, I'm happy to re-pierce it in a few weeks or something like that. Or you can just hang on to it. And if at any point during like the first month, like you decide you're not happy with it, same thing, pull it out, let it heal. I'll redo it, whatever, you know? Um, Most of the time they're just like, no, it's perfectly fine. Like, you know, if it's off by like this tiny little degree, it's yeah. fine, but the, yeah, but there have been a couple of septums, um, and this is the the one that sticks out at me as being crazy embarrassing. Do you know Charlie LeBeau, British piercer? Uh, I think I've met her at a conference, like in passing. Very itty bitty person yeah. with dreadlocks. Uh, she had kind of a wonky septum piercing for for a while, and I was in my like hot shot phase of like you know oh I'm I'm king of septums right now, and we were hanging out together in the UK, and I was like. Hey, you know what? I'm a cocky asshole. You should let me re-pierce your septum for you. So she took out her septum jewelry. She let it close. And then we were at um, this studio called Adorn in the UK with a bunch of other piercers that I respect working there. And uh, I, I was like, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna pierce your septum. And I'm, I'm hot shit. And then like the needle went through. And before I even put in the jewelry, I was like, this is going to be crooked. This is going to be crooked. And then I got the jewelry and I looked at it and I was like, this is more crooked than the crooked piercing I told you to take out. And it was one of those things where I was just like, oh my God, oh my God. You know, right. and just you started getting that cold sweat of like, okay, there are peers watching me and I totally blew this thing. And then Charlie went to look at it in the mirror and I think she just started laughing, you know, because she realized like how, how much worse it was. Yeah. And then I think she just, she pulled it out and then I think she ended up just tapering back open her her previous septum piercing and just going back to that because I had botched it so bad. So that made me feel like a super awesome quality piercer. I um this was years ago. Um like basically right when I started actually so like when I learned to pierce, I like I'd have to beg people to get septums. And I maybe had done like one and like and then like three years go by and I hadn't done a single septum and then I started doing them with, you know, like laying down the receiving tube. So I, one of the first ones I did, boom, looked great. Like I was like, cool, awesome. And then uh, she liked, she looked up. It, it was, you know, it was a little off, but she liked it. Then all of a sudden, like she's, I see pictures of her and it's just like sitting sideways. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, can you, can you just let me fix that? Cause it's, it's not, it's not a little off actually. It's a yeah. lot off from what I, from your picture. She's like, no, I love it. I love that it's off. I'm like. Cool, awesome, <laughs> great. And I see her all the time. They like, just let me, just let me redo this, please. Yeah. I've had a couple of clients where they've, you know, they've come in for something else down the road, and yeah. they'll have an old septum piercing that I did years ago, and yeah. it's a little bit off, and it's it's off to the point where maybe they don't care, but I, that's all I can see when yeah, I look at their right. face, you know. And I've I've said that like, hey, I remember piercing you like three or four years ago. Will you take that out and let me redo it on you? I can do it so much better now. And they're just like, no, it's totally fine. I'm, I'm totally fine with it. But uh, luckily, you know, I haven't really had too many significant problems. Uh, when I train other piercers, though, like my, my previous two apprentices, mm-hmm. uh, one of the first things I'll tell them is, like, you have to be honest. And, like, it's, it's the studio's reputation and it's also by extent my reputation mm-hmm. when a, a piercing walks out the door. So, you know, if you do something 
you know, let's let's be honest, like piercers, especially piercers who are just kind of starting out, mm-hmm. every now and then stuff's not going to come out awesome. Um, and I was like, you have to be honest. And like, if the shop has to bite the expense on jewelry or a piercing fee or whatever, mm-hmm. then then that's what it is. It's like, yeah. my reputation is so much more important to me than like the money off of one piercing or something. Right. So I, I have to tell them like, you can't let somebody walk out the door with, with something that's, you know, not worth having our name on, you know, because then they're out in the world and somebody sees their not great piercing and they're like, oh, who did that? And Oh, Precision Body Arts? Ryan? One of Ryan's staff did that? Whoa, you know? So, um, you know, you, you gotta you gotta own up to it if something goes bad because that's like a walking business card, you know? Mm-hmm. And it could be years where they're walking around and showing off a piercing that didn't come out good, you know? Right. Maybe it doesn't have to be perfect, but it has to at least be presentable. Right. Um, I think a big one, and it already comes in, like, hyped up is uh, children's lobes. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to be, like, and if you're not, like, you really have to be honest. Like, if it doesn't look right, like, they came to you because they didn't want to go to Claire's or anyone else. So, they want a quality, like, I mean, all of them want quality piercings, but, like, the, you got to be on point. And mm-hmm. I've, I'll admit, I've, like, I've done a piercing, and it just, I it came out, like, re- like I thought I had it, and it didn't. And then I just, like, talked with the little girl, I talked with... Um, the mom and I was like, listen, like I, you know, I want this to look great. This is her first piercing. I'm just going to go ahead and redo this if it's okay. If not, you know, come back and see me. I'll take care of you, you Mm -hmm. know, but like, and all in all, like, I can't have you like leave with this. It's really kind of off. Yeah. And especially with little kids, because as they grow, it'll just be more accentuated. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's another big thing is like little kid piercings. Like if that's, and they talk like I'm. I just had a mom call me the other day saying I'm on some like forum on Facebook like I don't even know it knew existed like and my name gets thrown around all the time and I'm like oh okay well that's good like but that's like even more is like you need to make sure that those are like exact like if anything else you know you do mm-hmm. you know they even though they're little kids it's it's everything's smaller you know they move around sometimes but you know you just got to make sure you know you own up to it if it's if it's wrong and you know the mom will love you for it because they yeah. they, they know you're taking care of their daughter or mm-hmm. their son who's getting their lobes pierced yeah i, I so. think uh sometimes parents they might they might they might have the thought process of like yeah i know that this is better than the mall but this feels scarier and weirder to me because they're just not mm-hmm. used to you know that world you know yeah. um so when they're coming in they're already kind of nervous and i think it it's so much better for body piercing as a whole if you can just if you can nail it, you know. But mm-hmm. if in, in those situations where you can't nail it, yeah. they really do appreciate the honesty uh, because there are a lot of people that come in that say, "Oh, I got a done Claire's and it's super off," and like they didn't seem to care or even seem to notice, mm-hmm. and we're super disappointed. Like I, I re-pierced a lot of earlobes where they're like, "This side's perfect, but this side's really blown," and mm-hmm. they didn't even mention anything. Blah, blah blah. So it's like it's that same thing. It's the honesty can be more important than the results sometimes. Absolutely. Um, I always tell my clients, I tell all my customers, like, listen, like, if you ever have any questions or any issues or, like, if if you don't like it later on down the road for some odd reason, come see me. I was like, my job, well, I'm not here to take your money. I'm here to take care of you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what my ultimate goal is, and I want you to be happy with whatever you have. So. I'm a piercer. I know piercings. Just come see me, mm-hmm. and we can you know discuss if you have any random questions or anything like that. And I get some parents are like, "Oh, I think they're too close," and or I think you know, and I'll you know they'll come in. I you know reassurance like, "No, they're not. That's just the way their anatomy is and stuff like that." You know, don't forget they are going to grow also, so everything's going to you know change a little bit over the years. But 
you know, that's ultimately like you're more caring than, you know, wanting to take their money. Yeah. You know, yeah. as much as it's like, oh, cool. Like, you know, uh, I think you, when we were at breakfast the other day, you know, like really expensive piece, like you're really awesome. Yeah, let's do it. Then they, then they pull up or show their anatomy and you're just like, ah, oh, God, it won't fit. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, no, it's not right for your anatomy. Sorry. Yeah. You know, as I'll, much I'll as totally I want. I'll totally admit that yeah. earlier in my career, you know, 10 years ago, uh, like a, a fancy piece for me 10 years ago would have been like an industrial strength naval piece, something like that, you know, like yeah. some neat thing. And there were definitely times where people would look in the case and be like, oh, I really like that that dangle piece. And I'd be like, well, I don't normally pierce with dangle stuff, but I really want to sell this because I'm broke. You know, now yeah. I've been fortunate enough where, where, you know, the shop is doing well financially. So I feel like I say no so much more now. And people really appreciate hearing that no. Like my, my most frequent thing that I get is people come in and they say, I want to get my navel re-pierced. And when they say that, it's like a red flag goes off. And yeah. the first thing is like, okay, well, let me take a look at your navel first. Yeah. And, you know, they'll have a rejection scar or something. I'll yeah. be like, look, it's, it's not going to heal. And they're like, well, what if you just go behind it? And I'd be like, I can I can go so far behind it that I'm like coming out of your back. But <laughs> it's still not going to heal. You know, like right. it's not going to have healthy blood flow. And just having that conversation of explaining why you're saying no, mm-hmm. they love it, you know, because most of the time they go to somewhere, they go somewhere else and they're like, can I get three pierced? And they're like, yeah, sure. Give me your money. My favorite's when you tell a customer no and then I just tell them, please, if I'm telling you no, please do not go somewhere else mm-hmm. until someone says yes. Like, yeah. just don't do it because yeah. you're going to have an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a difference between I don't feel comfortable with it to where like, yes, it could be possible and then I could refer you to someone that might for a second opinion. But yeah, I just like, if I'm telling you no, like industrials, I'm telling you no, because it's just not going to like, I can, I can bend and do something funky to make it work if that's what you want to do. But if you want like a straight bar and I'm telling you, no, please don't go to somewhere that's going to tell you yes, because you're not, you you may like it and then you're going to go through the healing process and then you're going to hate it. So, you know what I, you know what I've I've been doing and it, it gives me decent results for, uh, for, for my end game, but when people come in and I say no, I talk to them and I, I explain why I'm saying no. And then I, I'll tell them straight up. I'll be like, you're welcome to go wherever you want, but these are the questions you want to ask them first. And if they can't answer these questions, please don't get it done. Right. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, talking about jewelry or anatomy or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if they don't think that, you know, uh, you're a nurse and you need to be able to wear a stethoscope. So that's why I'm saying no on a tragus piercing, you know, and if they don't care or if they're like, oh yeah, a stethoscope is fine, realize that it's it's not going to be fine, you know, mm-hmm. or or glasses or whatever somebody does for work or sports or, or something like that, you know. I've had uh, I've had a septum come in from a local studio and uh, that wasn't pierced. She was like, oh, she wouldn't do it because she said it wouldn't look good. I'm like, that's a matter of opinion at this point. Mm-hmm. Show me your nose. I was like, oh, I mean... I could do it absolutely. Like that's up to you, you know. And we go. I, I went on this long conversation, explained her, like you know, going over everything with her. And at the end, of, at the end of the day, she didn't have like the, for basic jewelry. She just didn't have the money for it. And you know, I, um, hopefully, I'll see her one day again. But like it was just, another thing that like like grinds my gears mm-hmm. is when piercers not uh, like, or I should say, not as knowledgeable piercers will like make excuses for certain piercings like um I've heard the excuse for a philtrum oh there oh there's a bundle of nerves right there and I can't go like through there and she, and the, the the filter was pierced but it was off mm-hmm. 
And I was like, well, if, if that was the case, I wouldn't do the filter. I wouldn't give you yeah. a freaking piercing, you know. There's certain piercings you can do that in that place. Like, you know, you said tongue, if they, you know, they got, a, like, webbing or stuff. Yeah, you can mm-hmm. just kick it off to the side a little bit, whatever, you know. But, like, a filter, I'm like, it has to be dead center. But, yeah. like, making an excuse of why you're doing it is, like, after it's done is definitely a, just a pet peeve of mine. Like, yeah. oh, well, you mo- oh, you moved. No. My, my thing is, too, is uh, if you get the reason why something's not going to work in advance, that's totally one thing. But then if you get the excuse for why it didn't work after the fact, that's usually, in my opinion, a load of horseshit. You know, right. Because a lot of times people will say, yeah, you moved or, oh yeah, this or that or, or, or something. And, and it's like, you don't want to, don't shame the client if you did something wrong. Like if you blew a transfer, don't be like, oh, you moved or you breathed or it's like, yeah, people move and people breathe. Like, you, yeah. you need to be able to work around that. Yeah, you're you're in control when you're doing that piercing yeah. like the, you, or you should be, you know. There's like extreme cases, obviously, because there's exceptions to every rule. But, yeah, it's like, you know, like you're doing a navel and someone grabs your, your arm while you're trying to pierce them. It's like, cool, you're just going to let go. I'm not going to, you know, finish this up because so, yeah. I'm not putting myself at risk as well, you know. Yeah. So. The, the other thing that I see... And I don't know if you ever get this, is clients come in and they have like varying degrees of body issues because of what other piercers told them just because they weren't capable of doing it. Like I have women come in and people will say like, oh, I can't pierce your navel because you're too heavy or I can't pierce your you know, whatever, because your, your anatomy is weird or, or mm-hmm. wrong or something like that. And people come in and they're like, Oh, you know, I, I really want to be able to get this thing. Or another, another thing that drives, grinds my gears <laughs> is when people go somewhere, they get pierced with crap jewelry or they get yeah. told crap aftercare. So their piercing heels like crap. Yeah. And then they, they go back to the, the, that piercer and it's like, Oh, I'm having this problem. And the piercer is always like, you didn't take care of it. Your body is weird you did something wrong. And then they come into me and they're like, well, I, I would love to be able to get these piercings, but I just can't heal it. I can't yeah. heal it. I can't get it. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like if there was an anatomical reason, I would tell you, but like, don't think that it's impossible for you to heal a piercing just because you've been pierced with junk and you're having an allergy to it. Like there's yeah. this whole world of other stuff out there that that piercer might not have known about. Uh, some things, you know, like when you don't have like the exact, and when they come in, you're like, I really don't know why, like, I, I call it what's, I, you know, it's a really bad term. I call it guess and test. Like, we're going to swap your jewelry. And then I'm going to tell you my aftercare. And then once you've done that for a couple weeks, come back and see me. And then we kind of just, like, adjust from there to see what it is. Like, I had a, a young lady come in. She had an industrial. Um, but, like, it was it had pressure bumps on all sides. Everything. I'm like, could be the jewelry um, when it's pressure bumps. Uh, it could be just the way it was pierced, but like she had enough room for it. But like I measured the jewelry, it was like an inch. It was over an inch and a half. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't, I don't know why this piercer had this jewelry even in stock. Like, good for them. But uh, and it was externally threaded junk jewelry. So I was like, listen, like let's change this. Let's see if we can get these to go down, and then go from there. Um, other than that, we're just gonna pull it, let it heal, and then from there, you know, kind of go from from that. And it's, it's just really like. Yeah, again, it's really hard. Like, I don't like shaming my clients. I, I, you know, when I was first learning, like, that's, you know, that, there's better ways to go about doing that mm-hmm. nowadays. It's more like, hey, like, yeah, I could definitely get this to work. You know, your, your anatomy is suited for it. But, you know, it might not be as, like, as, as aesthetically pleasing as you want. Like, or, like, uh, if you do a floating navel on a, um, you know, a, a larger set woman, depending on what their navel looks like, 
it's like, cool, I can do this, but I'm just going to let you know, like, you're never going to be able to go to the store and buy something, even though I never recommend it anyways. Yeah. But, like, if you want, you're going to have to always come see me so I can fit you for this jewelry because mm-hmm. I'm going to have to use a larger length and gauge that they do not carry at stores. Like, That's a really common conversation that I have with people anyway because, like, nipples are super, super popular for me right now. And mm-hmm. uh, I do all mine with 12-gauge minimum, you yeah. know, and I, I always tell people as part of my aftercare – you can't just go to the mall and just pull something off of a rack that's like a one-size-fits-all like nipple bar, you know, because yeah. it's it's probably going to be too thin. It might be too short. It's almost definitely going to be a bad material. So, you know, keep in mind that with this piercing comes the responsibility and, and the need to, to wear specialty jewelry in it, not just mm-hmm. like off-the-shelf jewelry. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I always, at the end, like, as much, like, I always want you guys to come back. I have everything. And, like, not everything I have in the case is what I can get. Like, mm-hmm. we can discuss. And I'm a smaller studio, so I really don't have a whole ton of stuff. Yeah, I. that's, like, like I want you to understand, like, this is what you need to, like, mm-hmm. this is what you got to expect realistically. And, like, you, you know, if you're spending all this money, why put something that costs $20 at the store in it? You yeah. know, you know yeah. kind of thing. Like, I think, I think. A lot of people that we would talk with would would already have that kind of mentality, but mm. another mentality that I that I see is um, people come in for troubleshooting, and we don't own up to maybe us being a contributing factor, you know, to yeah. to the the trouble, you know, yeah. like like what you mentioned with the industrial um, with with pressure bumps on it. Like if someone comes into a studio, even if it's a piercing that that we didn't do, you know, we're not going to look at it and kind of imply that we can magically fix the piercing because right. it's like sometimes it's not an aftercare issue. Sometimes it's not a jewelry material issue. Right. It's just it's a bad angle or it's crooked or it's it should have never been pierced there yeah. in the first place, you know? So right. sometimes we have to tell people like let's just pull it honestly. Like you can I tell people like you can double down, you can spend jewelry, mm-hmm. you can spend money on whatever jewelry you want. I'm happy to sell you gold and diamonds all day, right. but it's not going to fix your piercing. And with that interaction with that the, the the young lady with the industrial, I was like, listen, like I could change your jewelry here. If this doesn't work, cool thing is I can reuse that jewelry because it's gonna be a medical implant grade. Like I can, you just gotta bring it back to me. I gotta just reprocess it, sterilize yeah, it. Because I'm not, other yeah, year yeah, or ex- yeah, exactly. So, but if this doesn't work, we're gonna take this out. Like this is like my only. Like, I'm at this point. I'm like, I really want you to take this out. She didn't want to. But then, actually, she called me, like, maybe a little bit later that day or the next day, and she was like, oh, I talked to my boyfriend, and she was like, I don't know, like, he's saying I'm crazy for wanting to keep it, and I was like, yeah, you should probably just take it out, like, just take it out, like, that'll solve a lot of these issues, just take care of it, come see me in a couple weeks, and then we'll most likely, depending on how your ear heals, we might just do your other ear, because it's it's pretty close to your other ear, so... Mm -hmm. Um, she just had a really open ear, so I was like, "Oh, cool!" And I, ironically, I had someone else coming in for industrial, and his ear, like, I think it was like the biggest like open space I've seen. And I had to order like inch and five eighths. Wow. For, yeah, barbell. It was nuts. I was like, "Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I don't have that. I'm gonna have to order it." So I have <laughs> like all kinds of weird, goofy sizes. I was going through a bin of like junk jewelry from 15 years ago or something, yeah. and I had all these like two and three inch barbells. <laughs> Yeah. Because I don't know if you ever saw them. We were talking about like outdated BME kind of piercings the other yeah. day too. Did you, do you remember those like, I forget what they were called, but like Sampa was doing them, like the multi-point surface bars that go up and down and kind of weave through I and everything. I don't think I ever saw those. Not no. a great idea, in my opinion. <laughs> not a great idea. But I would order like three-inch bars from mm-hmm. Industrial Strength and then I would I would bend them myself into these like Frankenstein 
you know, six point surface bar things and <laughs> try to like squeeze that into whatever one, which one, one of my friends I could talk into it. And right. it's like such a, such a bad idea for any of that stuff. Right. Um, I rarely do like <laughs> anything crazy like that. I did, um, on one of my, my clients, I had talked to her, I did like a, like a Ford Helix to Rook Orbital on a customer and it came out great. It healed great too. I was, I was like, awesome, sweet. And um, she's like, I want this. Well, her anatomy just wasn't suited for it. So I was like, I can do, I was like, I was like, you, she had a car or a Helix piercing already. I was like, you know what? Why don't we do a like Ford Helix to industrial? And uh, that was like my first real like bending something experience, like 90 degree Luis Garcia kind of like vibe to it. And that's, and then like uh, she came in and like the threading was loose, so I went to thread it, snap the threading, and then like ordered everything for her. Six months later, she finally came in. And I tried rebending it. I don't know how many barbells I went through. Oh, it was. I was just like, yeah, cool. This is just isn't for me. You know, as awesome as it looks. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I don't miss. I don't miss that era of body piercing yeah. where somebody wanted some like crazy balloon animal thing in their yeah. ear. You know. Uh, I was never, I was never that piercer anyway. You know, people yeah. would ask me like, "Hey, are you going to enter Earmageddon this year?" And yeah. I even had clients where they've been like, "I want to be a client. I want you to enter me in Earmageddon." And I would stare at their ear and stare at their ear and be like, "I have no idea. Like, I'm not, I'm not that piercer. Like, if you want to yeah. do that, go to Rob Hill, go to Luis yeah. Garcia. Like, don't yeah. go to me. Like, that's not what I do." Yeah, and see, that's good to admit that some piercers are like, "Yeah, no, we'll totally do this," and yeah. it just doesn't work out in their favor. Well, I had know? a I had a moment where, um, so the the this client was a, a a woman named Allie, and she was a great client. Would always come in, get some really cool jewelry, and she we just had this great rapport, you know, where she trusted me to kind of choose things for her because I kind of had a, an idea of what her vibe and her style was after a while. And she came in and she was like, yeah, I, I really want you to do some crazy thing for Earmageddon and I want this ear to be all titanium and I want this ear to be all gold and, you know, there's no budget and we can do whatever. And and it was such a hard moment for me to have to say like, I would love to take your money, but it's not going to look the way you want because I just don't think the way that they think, you know, like yeah. if you want to do that, take the money instead fly out to see Noah Babcock or Rob Hill or somebody like, yeah. you know, if I do it, it's going to look like a knockoff version of it, you know, and, mm -hmm. and as much as I would love that money, I, I don't want to do that. It's like at this point too, like uh, everyone's gone through it. Like now we can actually say like, go see this person or go see mm -hmm. this person until the next person emerges that you can refer to. But yeah, yeah. it's like at this point, it's like, yeah, that's not what I do, you mm -hmm. know, and it's okay to admit that it's, it's perfectly okay. Like yeah. that is, so, you know, that's fine. They'll appreciate it yeah. because they're going to, they're, they're really going to be bummed out if you just go for it and you don't nail it, you right. know, because I think the internet sets such high expectations now where people come in with that picture on their phone from Instagram and they're like, I want this amazing thing that was incredibly difficult for this piercer yeah. to do and custom jewelry and took six months or a year to heal and whatever. And I would just like to get that today. It's mm -hmm. like those people that come in and they're like, do you have time for a sleeve today? Like for, yeah. for shops that tattoo. And it's like, yeah. well, no, because right. there's immense planning that goes into this. Right, exactly. Um, or like, uh, I, I like the one for the doth piercing. Um, they come in with the Pinterest and it's like the star and it's right, it's on the back of the ear. It's not, mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, that's Photoshopped and that's nowhere near where I'm going to go. Oh, I want like this, cur I want something that has gems on it, curve bar. I was like, like, to be honest, we are like your your doth. I'm going to. Um, it's going to be deep in there. Like you're not even going to see those gems. Why don't we put like a nice circular barbell in there, or mm. a curved bar, or a 
or a captive bead ring or something like really nice in there for you. And then later on, we get to talk, you know, options and fancy it up and stuff, you know, like it all, you know, like that, that's like, and then they're bummed or like, they think I'm a hack for saying like, I can't do it. I'm like, no, it's like, you can legitimately see it's on the back of the ear. Like mm. there's nothing there. That's your skull, like where they have it placed and I can't go through there. So sadly, I have seen, um, piercings like walk through my door where it, it almost looks like it's photoshopped on a on a live person because it's just it's placed so poorly. Oh no! Yeah, I've, I've been seeing a huge a huge uptake on Daith Doth piercings that are just not even they're like a surface piercing on the conch practically, you know. And mm-hmm. they're telling me that like the, the, the piercer it, grabbed yeah. it with like a, a pair of forceps and pierced it, and it's like oh my god, I can't imagine how that happened. Yeah, um, I know when I uh, when the Doth craze like broke out like i had no formal training i was more like me using the very basics of knowing how to pierce to learn how to do it you know at that point and then talking to people you know from there that's kind of like i was never instructed on how to do it. It was like one of the one piercings like was really that in a fort helix but that was easier to figure out than trying to squeeze my, my yeah. fat fingers <laughs> inside the i think ear. everybody had that maybe six month or a year period where uh, those those piercings, like doth piercings, for for the longest time, that was like this unicorn rarity. It was it would be yeah. like you know if antitraguses were the hottest thing. Yeah. It's like who? When was the last time somebody pierced uh, you know more than one antitragus in a year? You know yeah. it doesn't come up very often. Maybe like in some select pockets of areas, or if that's yeah. a piercer's preference. But for a long time, if somebody would come in and say like I want a, a doth date. I would be like, ooh, you know, this rarity, you know? And mm-hmm. then when it really broke as like a, a thing, you know, I think a lot of people were scrambling being like, man, I got to I gotta figure out a better technique for this, you know, yeah. because I'm, I'm struggling with it. I'm struggling with the jewelry. And there was a, a mm-hmm. good six-month period where I was like, all right, I know that people want all of these jewelry options, but I have no idea how to install those jewelry options mm-hmm. with that piercing. I can do it with a CBR, yeah. no problem. Yeah. But yeah, if you want some crazy gemmed thing or like a moon or a or heart. Or if it's directional. Yeah. Like, you can't flip it the way you want. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm going bottom top today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was a big thing for me. The first time I had to do one top down because I, I was always doing them bottom up for me yeah. for that was my comfort zone yeah. and then the first time I had a piece of jewelry where I was like I can only install this top down oh my god what am I going to do and just yeah. having to figure it out same with like septum some piercing like directional like you're just like and then what, what what gets even better is when you pierce it and then you realize it's directional or you thought you, you made a note it was directional but like when you're going to do the piercing you're not paying the, like paying close attention to it and you're like okay awesome so like now you got to think about how am I going to like reverse this mm-hmm. you know with now with neil blanks and pins and all that stuff you can reverse something real quick but see tools yeah that's that yeah. is the situation where i really <laughs> like tools i'll do i'll like back a taper through and yeah. then i'll just have them lay down for the jewelry insertion and i'll just kind of i'll stand above their head so i'm doing it right-handed but i'm installing yeah. the jewelry in like a left-handed configuration yeah. yeah and bless anyone that's ambidextrous enough to be able to fluidly be able to just change everything around yeah because that's not yeah me. i tried um I did a handful of dots like left handed. It's pretty easy, like bracing it, but like that's not my go to. Mm-hmm. Like nowadays, I've adjusted to something different. But yeah, it's definitely like you said. Like there was a, a phase, a, a good chunk of time where you're just like trying to like figure out the best way to do everything because yeah. you're going to be doing a lot of them. So you might as well like you know own you know do them. You yeah. Know? But Gen- now I'm super versatile. Yeah. Now I can put in like any jewelry anywhere. Although, what what do you feel about hearts? 
in doth piercings because I hate them I, with a fury. I was like, cool, I'm going to do this one time. Yeah. I literally, I struggled with this thing. And then I like just looked the customer dead in the face. Uh, she's a good client of mine. And I was like, listen, like you're probably the first and last person that's ever going to get this heart in their doth because I'm never doing that again. Because like I, she was through a lot of discomfort because just that little curve at the top mm-hmm. and you're trying to like... And on top of it, depending on how you put it in, you might have to take that little V-bend and put it through the... Right. The, and it's just like, I, no, no. Like, it'll heal, and it healed great. I was like, but I will just let it heal. Come back, see me in, you know, like four months. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about putting a heart in. You know what yeah. I do now is I just... I just I, I bend the, the little loops open. So, you know, like the, the loop at the top of the heart is essentially like working with like a quarter inch diameter CBR. And it's like, mm. who who wants to pierce with that, you know? Yeah. So now I bend it open a little bit. And I just tell them, like, you know, I'm going to have to modify this a little bit. Are you cool with that? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have those tight loops. And I, I tell them like, you know, then if you want to come back after it's healed, I can tighten those loops in a little bit. But yeah. I, mean, I don't install them like that anymore. It's just, yeah. it's so frustrating. And I don't want to lose, I don't want to have to, uh, lose my connection or like severely upsize the needle or whatever, you know, but yeah, just, I'm I trying like to think, I don't know if I, I don't think I upsized the needle when I did it. That was like, I thought about, cause I was thinking, I'm like, okay, this is going to be kind of like a rock and a hard place kind of thing. Should I just upsize it and like, you know, like just do it and cop out and just to make sure it goes through like easily or I was like, no, I'm good. I'm just going to use the same size. That way if like anything comes up, it's going to be like somewhat similar no need to like be because I'm, I'm struggling with it and I upsize the needle and then it's bleeding, you know, then I'm trying to, you know, kind of catch everything a little bit just yeah. so it's not going down their ear canal and drying up. So, uh, yeah, I think for that one, I was just like, cool, I'm just going to do this same needle, you know, same size jewelry and just go with it. You know, yeah, I, so. I used to before the whole like um, headache myth yeah. kind of thing broke, uh, I that was my number one jewelry for it was a, a niobium heart. Mm-hmm. And every Valentine's Day, I would do like a Happy Valentine's Day Doth special, go. and yeah. it was like um, some stupid amount of money. It was like thirty-five bucks with jewelry or something. And I got this tidal wave, and I, I remember one year I did like twenty-five of them back to back, and it was the most miserable. <laughs> work. And I was like, I am never ordering another one of these again. I'm never ordering these again. And now I still I won't order a niobium heart. I'll only order it in gold. It's like right. if you if you want a heart, you're, like, you're paying for a gold one. Right. Wouldn't that be easy though when you're learning like you're trying to do something new or like learn type of jewelry, you could just like put up a sale and just get a giant influx just to kind of work out the kinks in one day. Yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't want to be the first client of that day. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. You can be the twenty fifth and probably not the first. Right, yeah. Though like you do you get piercings where you haven't done them in forever years and they're like something you don't really do anyways. And it's just like, okay, cool. I'm not going to go as fast as I normally do because, you know, I, I it's been so long since I've, you know, done one. And I don't, I'm not, a, I'm very, I'm a low volume studio. So, like, nostrils, you know, the helixes, you know, uh, what else do I do a lot of? Just, actually, I've been getting a lot of conches mm-hmm. lately. Um, those are really picking up. I've been noticing rooks are really picking rooks up Rooks are picking up. In my area, tongues and eyebrows mm-hmm. are just, like, booming right now. It's just... The and, 1990s all over And then I'm like, cool, let's put something like really nice. And, you know, we can put, no, they want barbells. Um, yeah. I'm just like, all right, cool. T- totally nice. Let's, yeah. ro- let's rock it out. Okay. Although I'm, I'm, 
we can at least be glad that like spikes are not a thing anymore. Oh, you know what? I would like to say that, but they're still a thing. I really? have, yeah, for me out here, oh. Oh, I'm in an area where like the the nine like it, it's we're slowly catching up because uh, when I first uh, we opened the studio or the studio I currently work at, um, people come there like, "What do you mean I don't get you? You mean I get to choose?" I'm like, "Yeah, mm. yeah, you do." They're like, "What? Mind blown!" <laughs> like. They're like, oh, and then, like, that's how, like, in my area, at least, that's, like, people are like, oh, yeah, because you have all the different options, you know, and it's just, like, to me, it's like, oh, cool, you know, it's like when I first discovered, like, what, you have, you can use different options, for, <laughs> you carry different colors, it's right, you mean, I don't use a barbell or just yeah. a, a CZ, like, a little crappy CZ, like, <laughs> thread in piece? Yeah, that's, that, like, when I started, uh, when I could afford to order options, it was yeah. like, oh, my God. What can we put and where can we put it? And like when I when I got my anodizer, you know, there was a six month period where every single client I was making a pitch, I was like, "You want to make it bronze? You want to make it copper? You want to make it purple? We can right. do it!" Yeah. And now it's yeah. just like I don't want to take out my anodizer. Right. Oh, uh, what is it? Um, I I'll have Johnny Velez cover for me, and some days I leave, and he'll like anodize pieces, and he does more anodizing than I do sometimes. Because I'm just like thinking of like, does he does he offer it? Like maybe I was like, I'll try it, and then I started offering it, and yeah. People are like, what? I can do that? And I'm like, yeah, sure. It still looks like magic. Yeah, it's still like, and I love showing customers, like, watch this. Yeah, yeah. anytime I do it, I'm like, I want you to stand right next to me. I want you to see this stuff. Right. Yeah, Yeah. just don't touch, don't stick your finger in there yeah, while we're doing don't. it. <laughs> so I'll electrocute you. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. All right. For sure. So let's let's wrap it up and we'll go get some breakfast or something. Yeah. Although, side note, did you keep the navel piercing? I did keep the navel piercing. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> My wife's like, when are you going to take it out? And I was never. like, I'm not. Never. I'm never going to take it I did the exact same thing to Polly Slippers when I did the class in Maryland. I was like, hey, Polly, you're getting your navel pierced today. Yeah. He's like, okay. Yeah, basically, you can't say no to me. Yeah, right. All right, so one more time, uh, say you know who you are, where you work, your social media. Uh, again, my name is Baron. Um, kind of like Prince, you know. One day it'll just be a symbol. But, uh, but yeah, Baron, I work at Boundless Tattoo Company in Plainfield, Illinois. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram at Bear Body Piercing, and uh, I have a Snapchat for piercing as well. Uh, you can find me as Bear Body Piercer. You know what you should do? You should do a business card where you sign out your name, and you can give those out at conference yeah, during there, class. <laughs> one word. Here you go. Yeah, thanks, Baron. <laughs> right. All right. Let's go eat some food. All right, there we go. Thanks for talking to me, Baron. Always appreciate it. Uh, for the people out there who stream a lot of podcasts, uh, Piercing Wizard Podcast has just been added to Stitcher, so you can go ahead and listen to the content there. Um, currently working on Spotify. Uh, I might have to have a, a different host, or I might have to, um, you know, migrate some stuff over. So uh, working on that. I, I don't know when it'll happen, but I'm aiming for sometime this summer being on Spotify. And if there are any other podcast services out there that you'd want to see the show on, again, drop me an email at ryanpba@gmail.com. And uh, I'll try to get it pretty much everywhere. So thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next week. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.